Over this past year, we've been involved in many, many different things as a church family. Um, I spend a couple of days a week um, not here. I, I go out around London and the southeast, uh, from Milton Keynes, actually, uh, in the west, down through Winchester, Southampton, across to Brighton, and then back up through Westminster and up to um, uh, Milton Keynes. So around that area, um, networking church leaders, encouraging church leaders in what they're doing, um, speaking into their lives, um, praying for them. I was with a church leader recently, and uh, uh, just spent some time with him, and at the end of the meeting said, would you uh, just let me pray for you and for your ministry here and what you're doing? And he said, that'd be fantastic. And we prayed, I prayed for him. And um, he said, at the end of the meeting, he said, I've been in ministry for eight years. That's the first time anybody's visited me and prayed for me in ministry. So your releasing me is, is actually enabling churches to be encouraged around uh, our nation, which is really great. And that's part of the New Wine Network family that we're a part of, which is an amazing network of churches across this nation that have a heart to see God's kingdom come. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that we're part uh, of that. Uh, as well as that, we're involved in many different conferences and leaders' days. Um, so last week I was down in Bristol and the week before I was down in Winchester and doing some leaders days with people there and, and talking to leaders en masse about what they're doing and what's going on. And um, uh, uh, just the other day, last, uh, last Tuesday I think it was, I was up in uh, Lambeth Palace with uh, Justin Welby, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, looking at strategy for the Church of England, what the Church of England is doing across this country. So there's a little church, there's a li- the little church that we are, we actually, we actually have quite a big uh, uh, influence across the nation, which is quite exciting really. So that's, that's part of what we're doing. Oh, the, other, the other thing that we're involved in is uh, the work of Tear Fund. I can't shout for Tear Fund enough. I think they're an amazing organization. This is partly why I think they're so amazing is they are unapologetically Christian in everything they do, and they work around the world through the local church, seeking to bring an end to poverty uh, and shouting for the needs of justice. And I think that what um, what they do and the way in which uh, the CEO, Matthew Frost, leads that organization is quite extraordinary. But it's not just through that. As a church family, this last year we've seen lots of people come to faith, uh, through the Alpha course, um, the marriage prep and marriage courses are ever so popular. The marriage prep ministry that uh, Barry and Val Denham run is uh, very, very popular. They were, I just introduced them to someone on Sunday evening and said, you need to speak to this person for marriage prep. They said, well, we've got the, we're, like, we're full for March, you know. So, so they've, they've got all these people coming in. They're not necessarily even getting married here, but they're getting, they're getting married and part of the ministry here is that we will prepare people for uh, their wedding day and for their married life together. Parenting courses continue to grow and reach people in our community who otherwise who wouldn't have opportunity to have contact with. We as a church have helped numerous families through furniture deliveries. We've, uh, we've completed lots of Beeson projects 
and delivered um, a significant number of hampers uh, for Besom and Cap clients. The work of uh, Asnif uh, Pambakian, who uh, is our, our Cap um, uh, manager, uh, seeking to help people come out of debt, is an incredible ministry. And it's like a, a hidden thing, but you know, you read in the paper, as I read in the paper, that we're there's financial difficulty and there's cutbacks in services and everything else. Well, there's somebody behind, at least here, sweeping up the area, trying to pick up those who find themselves in financial crisis. It's a terrific ministry. Uh, we've over 120 students coming through the language school. I think that is quite outstanding um, uh, as uh, that goes on uh, here. Um, and actually... I'd like to give this evening um, a special thank you to somebody who, whose ministry to many people in the church is often very hidden. Uh, and that's uh, Stefan Anstis. Stefan's just over there. I see him there. He doesn't know I'm doing this. But Stefan, you're an amazing guy. And uh, yeah, I think so. And you know, it was Stefan's, it was Stefan's vision to see something happen for people who couldn't speak English in our community, but didn't have the funds to enable them to speak English. And uh, that's what's grown to this incredible school that they're doing. But more than that, Stefan knew I was trying to find somebody to work with the senior community in St. Paul's. And uh, I never found that person. I couldn't find that person who would come in and lead this ministry for us. And, and Stefan approached me um, uh, during uh, about May or, or something in 2013. And he said, Mark, I know you're looking for someone to do this. So I, I don't know, just maybe, you know, if you can't find anybody, maybe I could do it for you. And I was like, rock on, that's fantastic. So he took it on. And, and we would used to have like, you know... 10 to 15 people gathered, and I think the first event had 70 at it or something. It was quite extraordinary as he reaches out into that community. And I, Stefan, I really honor you, friend, for what you do. You, you really are an amazing man for the way in which you reach out to so many people in our community. We continue to support ministries in Mozambique, Uganda, Kenya, India, and many other places around the world, as well as supporting ministries here in the UK. I asked some of the people that we support as a church through the mission committee what difference that support has made. Here's some uh, quotes that they've sent me in. This is from Becker and Henny Murray from the Maasai community in Kenya. They said this, St. Paul's have been supporting us in our ministry in Kenya in a number of different but equally valuable ways. We're supported through prayer, encouragement, practical involvement and finances. We are certain that we could not do what we do without this support. We believe that as part of the body of Christ, we flourish in what we're called to do when we're working together, each playing its different role, but with the same end in mind. Thank you, St. Paul's. Lynn Morris, the chief executive of Toybox, said this. In May 2013, Toybox received a very generous gift from St. Paul's Ealing. With your support, Toybox has helped the world's most vulnerable children Projects include a network of churches in El Salvador, 
helping over 4,500 children who've been neglected and abused. One of these children, Patty, says this, I thank God for putting you in my path. You've really helped me. Faced with severe poverty and neglect, Patty had dropped out of school, but now she receives support with her education, and as well as attending school, she enjoys taking part in a jewellery-making course with her mother and sisters. With these new skills, the family financial situation is stabilised, and they have hope for a brighter future. That's incredible, isn't it? Just the support that we give. Um, Joanna Gordon, who runs Daniel's Den, it's not just abroad, but it's here in this country as well. A parent and toddler organisation based in Brent that seeks to encourage and enrich family life according to biblical principles. And, and, and I've been to see the ministry that they have there, and it really is um, it's a ministry to some of the most needy people uh, in that community. And she says, the financial and prayerful support we receive from St. Paul's makes a huge difference as we serve 250 families from 45-plus nationalities. They get the opportunity to experience the love of Christ in a language they understand. Having a team from St. Paul's help us move into our new premises as part of the noise was amazing and demonstrated our motto, team, together everyone achieves more. It's love in action. Thank you, St. Paul's. And Barry and Jill Hingston from Harrow. Uh, St. John's Harrow, the church you planted in 2012, write this. To our friends at St. Paul's, greetings from Harrow, where Jill and I have been for just over a year now. We're pressing on with God's work of renewing his church here in a very exciting location. It wouldn't be fun without lots of challenges. And put it this way, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) We have a long way to go, but it's been a great first year for us. We've just seen our numbers pick up again, with some 130 people now coming through the doors on a Sunday, way up on last year. The new service is now growing slowly, and we have a weekly youth group and a Bible study group, all new in 2008. And 13. Not only that, we've just started Messy Church once a month and a fortnightly Nave Cafe, both of which made encouraging starts in January. We're making slow road inroads into the local schools and starting to reach out in mission to the homeless and needy of the town centre. All of this has been possible because of your support, especially the gift of Likai, Olivia, Marcelo and Maria to us, all of whom have been key in making those things happen. God's also at work in the context around us. Things are falling into place as he is preparing for a new growth work in the next few years. Too much to say here. This isn't easy. Much remains to be done. But we really feel God is with us. And we know that you guys are too. We feel it every day. Thanks and prayers. Barry and Jill, Likai and Olivia St. John's Greenhill. Isn't that lovely? It's just a wonderful thing, you know. It's a wonderful thing that a church that had, just remember this, had no mission going out from it for over 20 years and had only ever seen decline in 20 years. In December 2012, the 11th of December 2012, Barry and Jill and a little team from here went there And that church is now seeing growth. And it's reaching out into the community. 
and it's beginning to affect that community there. It's really exciting. Um, uh, this year, uh, St. Paul's, I have to say we've got a great group of interns. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, they they bring energy and vision and drive to us, and we love having them as part of the team here for what they not just what they bring, but also what they're able to influence and do uh, with their their youth and energy. Great and small uh, continues to be strong with about 200 people, children and adults attending every two weeks. Tomorrow morning. They're all coming in here. And uh, just as we finish tonight, we're going to clear the church because we've got 200 people appearing tomorrow morning. And part of what we do, the outreach into our community, it is an amazing thing. Actually, that number of people come uh, to a midweek uh, event. So it's been a good year for us as a church family. But what about 2014 and beyond? I realize that over the last few years, when we've got to vision night, we've looked at this coming year, and, and it's almost like this is the coming year. This is what we're going to be doing in this coming year. And um, uh, I, I want to change that slightly this evening. Yes, this year has been great, and yes, in a sense, we could pat ourselves on the back for all that's been done and achieved But when thinking about the future, I wonder if we could be even more strategic, whether we might have achieved more if we'd done that, and yet not increased the workload that we have here. When we consider the Great Commission, each of us knows that we're to go and make disciples. But that's not always the easiest task, is it? I I try to set the scene for that um, on Sunday morning and evening. Um, uh, it's not always the easiest thing to do to share our faith. But there is a way of sharing it through sharing our story of God at work in our lives. The tables were turned on Lindsay and I the other day. We, were, we went out on Saturday. Um, it was our, our daughter's 18th birthday on Friday. So we went shopping for a present on Saturday. Don't, uh, don't ask me why. But anyway, that's the way it works in the Menorish household. So we went out on Saturday together, just the two of us together. It was nice. We were out together. And um, we went into a, uh, a supermarket to buy a hedgehog birthday cake, because that's what was requested. And um, uh, while we were doing that, the lady behind us in the queue, I was just, I was thinking, I was just going to be, I just try and be nice to her. She was struggling with her basket, so I lifted her basket up for her and she was busy with other stuff, so I unloaded her basket onto the conveyor belt for her, you see. And, and, and she just kept looking at me, and then she looked at Lindsay, and she said, you've got a very nice husband. And I was thinking, that's enough now. I'm, I'm with Lindsay, you know, that's the way it goes. But anyway, anyway, we, 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 we paid for our stuff. And as we paid for our stuff, she was still paying for our stuff. She came running out of the shop, and she gave us a leaflet. And she said, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Can I invite you to one of my meetings? And actually, we were were in a rush because we had to get back for a birthday tea. But I was thinking, gosh, here I am trying to be Christian and he, she, witnessing to us a Jehovah's Witness. We just need to tell our story a bit more publicly. Just need to 
let people know what, what it is that motivates our hearts and minds. I believe that the next three years could be transformational for our church. One of the worst mistakes an individual, organization or community can make is to sit idle. Too many times we protect what we have and we fail to act progressively for the future and we lose not only what we have, but we lose what we might or could have had. I believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. If I didn't, I wouldn't be a pastor. But it's that belief that makes me think that the church should always be growing. Sometimes I wonder where people get their hope when they don't have the amazing benefits of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. That strong, sure faith does, of course, shape us as a church. And it shapes our vision. It shapes what we do and what we stand for and what we invest in as a community together. So what are we going to be focusing on in 2014 and beyond? Growth in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Growth in our community. Growth in our ministry. Growth in our family of churches. And the first thing is outreach. It's come up on the screens. Everything in life depends on relationships. Everything in life. I used to work in marketing, but really I was in sales. I think most people are in sales in life. If I go to the dentist, they do a filling, but they're selling me something else at the same time. They've injected my mouth already, and they're like, while I'm in here, <laughs> how about I treble your bill. They don't say that, but they're selling something. My father-in-law used to own a company of accountants in the city, and uh, he was one of those who went to work in a bowler hat. And um, uh, he didn't much like me when he first met me, but he liked me in the end. But, it, but he, he, it, I used to talk to him, and he just like, he, he owned a company. He just like, he owned a company in the city. He like made it, really, in life. And he used to say to me, Mark, he said, Mark, I'm just in sales. That's what I'm in. I've got to sell the product that we have that others might choose to buy it from us. I'm just in sales. And of course, people will buy from you if they trust you. They'll buy from you if they trust you the relationship that they have with you. And and you know what? Each of us is in sales. You probably don't like to be called a salesperson. But we are in sales. And do you know what we have to sell? It is the best product in eternity. In fact, it is the only product that lasts for eternity. Duracell, eat your heart out. I mean, seriously, it goes on forever and ever. We have an opportunity to share with others something that will change not their, not just their now, but their forever. Life is all about those around us, and sharing our faith with others is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to people. So we've shaped the program this year, and we've been through it quite carefully. Um, so that we can uh, 
have as many opportunities through the church events that we run on, through the ministries that we have, through the opportunities that we have to gather together, as many events as we can where it is possible to invite a friend along. It's as we journey as friends together that we share faith. When I came to faith, I didn't go to church and come to faith. I went to church and I made friends. And because I made friends, I went back to church. Having grown up in a family that didn't go to church, that's what I experienced. So I went to church and I made friends. And those friends were Christian. And because they were Christian, they lived in certain ways that were Christian. They didn't always live as Christians, but a lot of the time they did. And, and, and therefore there was something in what they did in the way in which they lived their lives that spoke to me. And because I trusted in who they were and because I was a friend of theirs and because they valued me as a friend, I came to value what they valued, which was a faith in Jesus Christ. Friendship and relationship are so important in life. So it's as we journey as friends together that we get to share faith. So look out for the gathering events that there are at church. Look out for those opportunities to invite people along and be part of changing a life for eternity. And I can promise you, and you know me well enough by now, and the way in which we run this church, we will never embarrass you with your friends. If we say invite your friends you really can invite your friends and trust us. And it will be an event that your friends will enjoy. And what we want them to do is to find that this place is a great place to be at. And if they find that, they'll find friendship here. And if they find friendship here, they'll find faith here. And if they find faith here, they'll find eternity. And they'll bring some of their friends also to a place of faith. I want to emphasize again the Life Group £100 Projects. I didn't emphasize, haven't emphasized this for a couple of years, but um, Vicky Reed, our treasurer, challenged me, I don't know, three or four meetings ago now. She said, why do we still have this line in, the life groups don't use it? And I said to her, no, we need that in, we need that in. So I want to encourage you, please, get Vicky Reed off my back. This is the thing. Every life group has available to them £100 in cash. You can draw it in cash from the church. Take it home, put it out when you've got a life group meeting. And the idea is this. The idea is this, is that these, this money is used by the group to do a project that shares Christ in some way in our community. So, Maybe your group could choose to do some giveaways in the park. A group did that uh, recently. Or maybe you could transform an older person's garden together. Or maybe you could invite as many single mums along as you can find and give them a pampering evening. Or maybe you could host a concert for the more senior members of our community. As I look back over the course or the history of those projects here, there have been pub quizzes that have been sponsored. There have been 
giveaways given away outside Sainsbury's and West Ealing. There's been stuff done in the high street here. There's been stuff done in the, the parks. The point is what we've done is we've taken that money and we said, let's go and in some way, as a group together, share our faith in a way that is both fun and attractive to other people so that we find a way of communicating who Christ is in it. The key thing is this, let's all do it together. Let's choose to do something uh, together. We'll be repeating the noise, and um, Chris Fox, I so appreciate the way in which you do that. I can't see where you are, but I so appreciate the way in which you do that with us, and you pursued that with us, and you're encouraging that with us, that we as a church spend a day making a noise together for our Saviour Christ in our community. This year, we'll be launching the Cap Job Club. Julia Sarson, um, along with some others, will be running a club for the unemployed in our community. Being unemployed can be hard to deal with on your own, but being part of a job club, a Cap Job Club, means that you can face the challenge with others in similar situations. They were first launched in March 2013, and there's evidence that the clubs are helping people to find employment. One in every seven people attending a club has so far found work, and there are currently 72 cap job clubs across the country. So we'll be launching one of those uh, come Easter time. And there's an opportunity here for lots of us to get involved. Maybe your, commun- maybe your company has a, some uh, redundant laptops that they'd like to get rid of. Well, whoever comes to it, they'll need laptops to write CVs on and be trained in. Um, maybe you could come uh, uh, with uh, uh, yourself and help someone write a CV. Maybe you'd just like to come and serve coffee or sit and listen to somebody. You know, most people need listening to in life. Maybe you have business skills that you could pass on or interview techniques that you'd be willing to share to help people to find a new job. It's a ministry that we hope will complement the excellent work that Bruce and Susie Marston do in helping people back into work in our community. It's another way of us reaching our community with the love of Christ shown in action. And then the Bishop of London has launched a vision. And um, I'm I'm really very excited about this vision. And I'm probably not the most Anglican person in the world. But the Bishop of London has launched a vision. And um, I'd actually love to get us behind it. Let me read to you what he says. We share a vision of a church for London that is Christ-centered and outward-looking. We speak, we seek to be more confident in speaking and living the gospel of Jesus Christ. More compassionate in serving communities with the love of God the Father and more creative in reaching new people and places in the power of the Spirit. And the vision comprises three major themes. Confident in speaking and living the gospel of Jesus Christ. Compassionate in serving communities with the love of God the Father. And creative in reaching new people and places 
with the good news of the power of the Spirit. We will, he says, be more creative in reaching these new people. And part of his vision is to see a hundred churches planted across London in the next four years. He's encouraging all of us to plant churches in other churches, in schools, in coffee shops, and in pubs. And he wants to encourage those churches who already have an outward focus to take a lead in this. The church plant that we've done in St. John Harrow with Barry and Jill is put up there as a sort of model plant. I've been surprised to hear that. I've been at meetings and they've talked about it. And they go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> they think that's a good one. And the bishop uh, approached me several months ago and talked about the possibility of us planting again. And I said yes, and I talked about where we wanted to plant. And we currently can't plant there at the moment, but we're working on that together. But he said, would it be possible for you to plant somewhere else? And um, uh, I said, well, of course, but... You know, we would want to know that it would work for us as a church. So in agreement with the PCC, we've picked up that challenge. And um, in the coming months, we are going to be responsible for another church in the area, and we'll be planning a plant in the not-too-distant future. I had really hoped to be able to announce that church tonight. I know that church. The PCC know that church. The staff know that church. I can't make it public yet because lots of you know people in that church and you're bound to say something somewhere and then I'll be shot. But the point is this. Um, with the agreement of the PCC, with the backing of the bishop, we're going to be doing another St. John Harrow in the Ealing area, probably sometime soon after Easter. Now, we're not going to plant straight away. We're actually going to embrace that church as part of this church, and we're going to manage it for a while. There's some stuff that needs doing, some changes that need to be brought into play, and um, uh, I will probably be vicar of both churches for a little bit um, while we work on some of those changes and accelerate the opportunity for growth in that church but we will be the good news is we will be planting in the not too distant future and that their PCC have already agreed it and our PCC have already agreed it I'm meeting the church warden tomorrow morning on the 4th, 3rd or 4th of March one of those two days um, our standing committee and a couple of others are meeting with their select committee and we're going to hammer out the details and once that's hammered out and we agree which Sunday they're going to announce it to their church family, I will announce it to our church family as well, to all of you guys but just so you know that's there it's been agreed, it's a done deal in a sense but we just need to work out how best to do it because they're slightly nervous of St Paul's healing coming in and swallowing them as a family, which we've demonstrated we didn't do with St. John Harrow. And so we want to 
explain that and demonstrate it again and find a way of making that church plant work really well. But it's really exciting for us to expand, be expanding again, as we have done with St. John Harrow and as we have done with the lounge. And uh, often that's a ministry that is sort of hidden in St. Paul's. And the lounge are here. Where's the lounge? Give us a shout. You're here somewhere. There they are. So the lounge, that was a lot, not a very loud shout. But anyway, the, lo- the lounge that meets, meets weekly um, in the bar just down the road, um, not just for beer, but, but actually to, to share things of faith with those who would find this building not always the easiest place to come to. And um, in church language, it's called a fresh expression. We've never called it a fresh expression because it started before a fresh expression started. But um, that's what it's called in church language. And, and uh, it's a really exciting thing. So, so within the next few months, we are going to be announcing and launching uh, and working towards what it's going to look like, this new church plant that we're going to be doing as a church together. Okay. Part one over. What I'd love you to do is I would love you to serve your desserts, eat your cakes and apple pies, and have a discussion about this, and I'm going to regather you in 15 minutes. Thank you. Okay, friends, we're going to keep time. So I want to pull us back together. Our first focus for 2014 is outreach. The reason it's outreach is because we have to grow a certain number to be able to plant a church. First thing someone asked me was, Mark, which curate is going to go and do that? How many other tables asked that question? That's what I don't know. A few did, okay. Um, uh, the answer to that is, uh, it could be either or neither. It may be someone from outside. We could do all sorts of different things with this. So no one is lined up. Please hear this really honestly. At the moment, at the moment, there is no great plan for this. It's a little bit like the blind leading the blind, but we will work it out together. And there is a group from PCC who are committed to working with this and putting a strategic plan together for it. Um, Let me come back to uh, the other things that I want to cover this evening. The second thing is prayer. Part of the bishop's challenge to us is to encourage each of us, he says this, to pray for at least seven people that we may share faith with them, may share with them the story of our faith. Pray for at least seven people that we can share with them the story of our faith. You cannot have missed the emphasis on prayer here at St. Paul's since Christmas. Richard Thomas is going to be helping to continue to get our focus on that over the coming uh, weeks. And um, uh, he will help us to develop a prayer life as a church. Um, He's going to be running a prayer course here beginning in March Um, and uh, that prayer course will lead to the place where we will have 24-7 prayer for the uh, uh, whole of Holy Week here 
And if you were here last year, we converted the chapel into a place of prayer and we kept it as a place of prayer 24-7 for a week and it was the most amazing place to enter into and to pray and we'll be doing the same again this year. We believe that prayer is the foundation of everything. So much need for prayer and we the people of God are called to have a rhythm of prayer so that it happens daily in our lives. Um, the Archbishop, when I was with him last week, said this, there is never any real renewal of a nation unless there is renewal of prayer through the church. There's never really a renewal of a nation unless there's renewal of prayer through the church. And I was really heartened by that, thinking we know that God has called us as a church to be a church of prayer. If we're not a praying church, then our acts of mercy and witness will be hard work and less fruitful. And therefore we will become discouraged. And so prayer is going to be crucial and key to all that we do. So I'm hoping we'll be taking some times of fasting together as well. Perhaps tonight's not the night to mention that, but there will be times of fasting together as well. And, and we'll be calling the church to fast and pray. This is what we're going to do. And um, it's a really good thing to do. If, you, if you're not in a habit of fasting, I want to encourage you uh, to listen out for that and join with us and, and be part, part, make that part of your rhythm of uh, your Christian walk as we stretch ourselves in prayer. Uh, next is discipleship. Um, uh, this is all about deepening our faith and understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And friends, most discipleship happens through the life group process of the church. I would love to think that you might grow to be a mature Christian through what we can share on a Sunday, but I think the truth is that's not possible. However good a talk might be, however fantastic a service might be, it's not possible in that context to become mature in faith. We need a place of discussion, we need a place of exploration, we need a place where we journey alongside others. It's absolutely crucial, the life group, um, uh, life, the life group life of this church. So I'm going to invite Chris, and uh, there's a mic there on the floor, Chris, and he's going to interview Amy. It'll come on, Simon's at the back. There she is. Thanks, Mark. It's lovely to be with you. If you've not been before, I'm Chris, I'm one of the pastors here. This is Amy. Amy, tell us a little bit about how you ended up coming to St. Paul's. Where were you uh, before you came here? Um, so before I came to St. Paul's, uh, in it was about October 2012, uh, I was living in Bristol, just outside Bristol, in a place called Porter's Head. Okay, so you arrived at St. Paul's, kind of recommendation from a friend to come here. Right recommendation, I think. Uh, but um, and what was one of the first things you were hoping to do to get kind of plugged into the church a bit more? Um, so I didn't know anybody when I moved to London, uh, really. Um, moved up here for a course. I started uh, a course in Ealing that October. So one of the main things for me, really, although it, uh, one of the things, obviously, to come and, and fellowship and be with other Christians, the main thing really was to, to meet people and to make friends and to meet people who I could be in community with as I kind of started life in London. 
And so your life in London, what are you doing currently at the moment? Um, so I'm uh, at drama school in Ealing, Ealing Broadway, uh, at a place called Drama Studio, opposite Ealing Studios. Um, and I am on a two-year course there, which finishes in about six months' time. Great. So it's quite a pressured environment, lots going on, all things happening. And you were able to kind of find your way into a life group. So tell us how being part of a life group enabled you to, uh, just enabled you to kind of continue to walk out your faith in, in that kind of environment in everyday life. Yeah, um, the environment I'm in is quite challenging from time to time, uh, being a Christian. Well, I say from time to time, often. Um, being a Christian is quite a challenge in that place. So for me to get um, linked into a life group quite quickly and quite early on was, was key, really, I think. Um, as I was finding my feet on the course, I'm finding my feet as a Christian in that place. To be able to share some of those challenges with people in life group um, was really important, I think, to keep myself grounded and to keep myself coming back to a place of like what is my truth and what do I believe and how does that influence me um, and how, do, how can I use that to influence other people on the course and in the school. Fantastic and so really briefly what are some of the kind of key highlights for you being part of a life group here at St Paul's? Uh, lots of things actually. Um, I think one of the main things is is just being able to share life. It sounds quite simple, but actually just being part of a community and being able to share ups and downs. I think um, that's what, you know, life is full of ups and downs. And it's great to be able to uh, share the challenges with people, but also to share the successes with people as well. Brilliant. And there might be some people here tonight who are sat with life groups, but maybe aren't part of them themselves. So... Do the big sell, Amy. Encourage people to join a life group. Now, we're all in sales, as you know. Uh, very good. Very good. But no, seriously, I would encourage um, you, if you uh, are not in a life group, to, to join one. I think for me, it's been really how I have found my feet. Uh, in London, in church, kind of, it's been really, really um, important to me, actually, and continues to be really important. Um, so I would, and, and actually I'm not sure how, I don't really know how people do it if they're not Christians, how they move to a new place and kind of how they meet people. But for me, it's been really important in that. And I would really encourage everyone to do that really. So I think without it, my experience of moving to London would have been very different, I think. Brilliant. Amy, thank you so much for sharing that. It was really great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. So, discipleship friends, um, being part of a life group is absolutely crucial. If you are here this evening and you're not part of a life group, you could join the life group that you've shared dinner with this evening. Um, if you um, uh, know of others who are uh, on the fringe of St. Paul's and not part of a life group, why don't you invite them to be part of your life group? Um, uh, oh. <laughs> I say. Now, what are we celebrating over there? That, if, if, if there's champagne going there, I'd just like to point out that Laura Tate lent her great-grandmother's pie slice to Tim Melluish, who broke it. So probably this evening, if there's anybody who needs champagne, it's Laura Tate. If you could give her that, that would be marvellous. Um, 
we would love we would love to be a church that has more life groups than we currently have but more than that we'd love to be a church that that invites others into the life group process and disciples one another um Richard and Julie Thomas are going to be starting a new life group at the end of February. They'd love anybody who'd be interested in that to join them. Um, or we're encouraging all the life groups to come and do the prayer course with us. Prayer being part of our focus this year. Prayer being something that we really want to press into. That we come and do the prayer course together as life groups. We wouldn't it be great if on a I can't remember which night it is now that we're aiming to do it. It might be a Tuesday. I can't see Richard Thomas Tuesday. Um, uh, that the, each Tuesday night this church is like this, and that we're learning together in prayer. And as we learn together in prayer, we come together as a community, and we invite others on the extended fringe of our community to come and journey with us. And we launch some more groups that we enable people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. So discipleship is going to be a key thing for us. And then mentoring. This is an extension of discipleship. We've set up a process where anyone who wants to can have a mentor to encourage them in their faith. There are some leaflets about this in the welcome area. We've had a lovely slow start to this as we've got used to it and what it means. We've had some people who have offered to do mentoring and there's some training that's been going on for them and there's some more training coming up. But there is such an opportunity to invest in somebody else's life. And the truth is that we only ever become who we become because somebody else has believed in us. Isn't that true in life? It's all about relationships. Someone else has said... There's a germ of something there, and I'd love to see if I can help you develop it. And mentoring is a wonderful gift that we can give to somebody. And so mentoring is a process that people can uh, join in with uh, uh, as we cheer one another on in our faith. We can pick up leaflets about that any Sunday in the welcome area, or read about it in the church magazine. Next, community. I've already suggested that nothing happens without relationship. And so we're hoping to build on the already great atmosphere we have with hospitality and welcome at St. Paul's. Mark Tate, you're going to come up uh, now. And um, just uh, with Ed, are you? Is Ros still here? Oh, lovely. See this Ed and Ros, guys? They just got engaged just the other day. Isn't that lovely? And they, they booked their wedding. When, when are we getting you married? When are we getting you married, Rosen? Probably 20, August 23rd. 23rd of August. Marvelous. Amazing. You just stole my little introduction. Oh, sorry. So sorry. I want to introduce you to a fantastic couple who just got engaged on the weekend. So, so these guys are a very special couple close to me and Laura's heart and we've been on a journey and actually I would say part of the reason how they got uh, together was through our life group. But um, I, I want just, to uh, just do a little interview and, and share really how they got involved at St. Paul's and maybe in particular kind of why they maybe stuck around. 
Um, but so, Ed, can you tell us um, how did you actually end up at St Paul's? What were you doing? What was your kind of situation in life? So I moved to London, I guess October 2011, and I spent a few months kind of hunting for a church and tried a few out like once or twice, but didn't really fit into any of them. And then some family friends who used to live in Ealing uh, suggested uh, St Paul's, and so I came along and gave it a try, and. I really liked it. I think partially, or a lot, mainly almost because I got such a good welcome here. Um, so many, all the other churches I'd been to, no one really even noticed, I think, that I was new and just kind of got lost in the crowd. Whereas as soon as I arrived here, who, I think it was Mark who was on the door actually, it was like, oh, you're, you're new. And kind of immediately that was recognized. And, uh, I think this, pretty much the first evening I was here, I was invited along to his life group and, um, just really made to feel welcome and like they'd like me to be a part of the church. Great. And, and Ross, I guess same to you, what were you doing, excuse me, uh, when you first came to St. Paul's? Um, so I moved to London to do a PGCE in uh, secondary music teaching and um, I moved really close to St. Paul's. So it's just, I came here really because it was the most local church to where I was living at the time. And um, yeah, I think same as Ed, I experienced a really... Um, friendly welcome here um, and also just felt every time I came here and tried the church out because I tried it about three times before I decided on it um, that God really spoke to me in each of the services and I was having quite a difficult it was quite a difficult family situation going on at the time and so I just felt like this was the place God wanted me to be okay so you said you you've been here for a few times what what do you think the main reason was really for, for staying and, and being part of this family um, you know what I'm going to say. Basically, Mark came and had a really long chat with me. Um, <laughs> well, that went well. <laughs> the third time I came along, and um, that was really great for me to see that the church was kind of uh, keen for 20s and 30s to come and investing in um, someone to kind of minister to that age group. Um, yeah. And I also met Ed, and that was quite... Okay, Ed, so you said you came here and um, someone recommended the church. But what do you think it, it really was that made you think, okay, I want to be part of this family? Um, I, I guess I just felt I fitted in. Everyone was really nice and welcoming. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the services and felt like there was good teaching and good community. And I, I thought it was so nice that the after-hour stuff, I, I come in the evening generally. And there's always something going on and chance to meet people and get to know each other which I think is really helpful in terms of becoming starting to feel like a part of the community here well great well thanks so much for sharing guys I feel like I kind of came out alright in that interview but I didn't mean to that wasn't actually planned but uh, give it up for the happily soon to be married couple Ros and Ed <laughs> thank you um, so I want I would very much like us to have Friends, I, I talked about this last year. We, we do, at times, we do brilliantly at our welcome. And there are probably people in here who've gone, yeah, but it wasn't so good for me. And sometimes we miss it. And if there's anything I'd love us to be really excellent in, it's in the welcome that we can give to people who come to St. Paul's. I, I, I think it's so important that people Feel love the moment they arrive. Um, I can't remember where I was sharing this. I was talking about this just the other day. 
with all my heart I believe this, that every person who comes here, even if they only come once, we want them to know that they are loved and treasured here. They may never come again, but we want their experience to be, I met some people who really valued me and gave me worth. It's not about some great recruitment drive. It's just about being Jesus to every single person who comes through that door. And, and sometimes we can miss it because we get busy doing other things or we see a friend that we want to talk to. But wouldn't it be great if our, if our focus was, do you know, I'm going to look out today for anybody that I can be Jesus to. Just anybody that I can welcome and I can treasure. That when they leave today, they'll say, that was a great place. I'm never going back, but that was a great place. That was a great experience. Because actually some will say, I will go back. And others might say, well, I tried church in Ealing, and I live in wherever it might be, and I'll go to church there and try it again. Because there was something of Christ that was demonstrated. And I'd love of all the areas that we'd be really good at, I'd love us to make this an area that we're really good at. In the surveys that we filled in, most people have come to St. Paul's through the website and Sunday morning or evening services. So whatever else we do, they are crucial to us as a church. And the most important thing is most of us make a decision in the first couple of minutes as to whether we're going to return somewhere or not. And a lot of that is down to our welcome. So if we can really up our game on that, that would be absolutely excellent. And I'm really hoping that we can do that together. And one of the things that I want to uh, beg of the life groups is that, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the way in which you guys help us with hospitality every week. It's such an important ministry here. Um, and... Uh, you know, we come to do hospitality together and sometimes we end up being in the kitchen. I'd love it if every life group would find three or four people who would just be in that back foyer there or even on the front door and say, I'm just going to be out there to welcome people, to make this a really great morning or a really great evening, uh, that when people come in, they would know through us something of Jesus Christ. And uh, the life group leaders and... Uh, Phil and Sue will be leading us in a discussion about that in our next Life Group Leaders meeting. Um, and then finally, testimony or story. Um, uh, uh, the last thing I want to just cover in two minutes. Over the past six months, we have been encouraging people to tell the story of God at work in their lives in the Sunday services. And and I I know because some of you sit there and you think, oh gosh, please someone rescue Mark at this moment because he's asked for a testimony and no one's going to come up. Or Chris, Chris is better. Chris, Chris just stands in silence, doesn't he? He'll wait. He'll stare you out. I'll never want to stare in competition with him. He'll hammer us all down at that moment. But but you know. You know, the thing is this, the thing is this, the story of God is at work in your life and my life all the time. And to share that story, if we get to share it with one another, 
when we when we go out from here, we've got a story to share with others. I heard this story on Sunday. I can tell you that story. I'm not going to tell you the story, but Alan Brown came and gave a testimony. I think it was at an evening service the other day. I was so encouraged by it. I went home that night and thought, that was amazing. It It took him about a minute and a half to tell the story. And it was an amazing testimony. Well, that's amazing. It was God's answer to prayer. That that story can be told again and again and again and again in most of our lives. And the more we hear of answers to prayer, what happens? The more our faith rises in prayer. What happens? The more we'll be a praying community. What happens? As we're a praying community, the closer to God we'll be. The closer to God we are, the more attractive to others we'll be because of Jesus in us. And therefore we get to share the story of God at work in our life in other people's lives. And we become a community that's a vibrant community of faith, sharing the things of Jesus Christ with others. It's as we hear the story of God at work in each other's lives that we are built up in our faith. And we're going to try and find ways of regularly celebrating not just what God is doing on a daily basis in our lives, but we're going to try and find ways also of celebrating ways in which people come to faith. And... um, uh, one of the ways that we really want to work on that is uh, beginning with some of the children and, and celebrating how when they come to faith and, and cheering them on for their changed lives and the teenagers cheering them on for their changed lives and praying for them as a church family um, as they make a commitment to Jesus Christ. So I think, friends, 2014, 15, 16 is going to be three really significant years for us. We've got one church plant that we are definitely doing, and I look forward to being able to tell you more about that. Uh, I actually took the bishop out for lunch to talk to him about this. This is when we finally agreed it. And um, I talked to him about this other church that we... There is another church that potentially we could plant into. Um, Tubby's at the moment. He's got another vicar in it. And and he's he's still alive. He won't... so we're just, we're just waiting. He's way past retirement age. And the Bishop of London, the Bishop of London has been so amazing. The Bishop of London is making him an offer to move out. Which is fantastic. Which means that potentially in the next three years there'll be another one as well. So we'll plant one in the next 18 months into this one that we'll have. And then we'll plant another one 18 months after that. So what's the most important thing for us? Guys, the most important thing for us is that we're a community of prayer, that we grow close to our Heavenly Father, that we're terrific witnesses to Jesus Christ, that we become a community that continues to press into outreach, that we're a community that tells the story of God to one another. And in so doing, we create an atmosphere in here that is so attractive to others that people want to come in and hear the things of God and therefore be changed by God in their own lives. Is that okay? That's our hope and dream. And and I'm really hoping that you will uh, get on board with us as we press the accelerator down on these different pedals that we've highlighted this evening. 
to know that it's part of one strategic plan that we're going to push forward on together as a church family.